0: Welcome to the Ambedkar Initiative podcast series in which students at Columbia University discuss their research on B.R. Ambedkar, a Columbia alum and one of the 20th century's foremost thinkers on caste and democracy. I'm Anupama Rao, director of the Ambedkar Initiative and professor of history. In this episode, Leila Varke speaks with Yosana Lemu about one of Ambedkar's great texts, Castes in India, Their Mechanism, Genesis, and Development, which was written in 1916 as a seminar paper for a course in anthropology. Leila is a master's
1: student studying international and global history, and Yosan is an undergraduate studying comparative literature. Um, So I think uh, for the first question, I just want to start off with asking you to speak a little bit about your own scholarly interests and how you came to this initiative and and how your interests relate to the particular issues that you are trying to better understand in castes in india um thank
0: you leila for the introduction i'm currently studying comparative literature uh, in the college and within that i focus on the african diaspora and blackness as a category for thought and thinking um i first came across and a course I took in the fall of 2019. And it was here that I began to really admire his work and writings. Um, most of my academic study has been African and Black Studies, and as such, When I was reading Caste in India for the first time, I was initially drawn to how he identifies both caste and race. And later on, I was drawn to his thinking on the question of gender and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say these were among the first things that stuck out to me and still do. Um, I'm not an Indianist whatsoever. And I think Mm -hmm. that actually allowed me to better understand his project because... I was like an outsider looking into his world and into the world of caste more generally.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it's really fascinating to hear you speak about how you approach this text as a textualist, um, especially with your background in comparative literature. Um, I'm kind of curious about, like, especially in the time of the pandemic as we're doing this research from our homes. Um, Can you say more about what the technique of annotation actually looked like for your work this summer?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, So for instance, my annotations for the texts are heavily focused on this question of gender and sexuality, as well as Mm -hmm. this notion of surplus woman and man that Ambedkar introduces. as someone with my background, as in like literature, comparative lit, I am familiar with this idea of surplus in regards to certain populations and peoples that are rendered um, disposable in certain social and political frameworks, and what Embedkar is doing with surplus is, um, I, I say, so important in thinking about caste and the relations of marriage and desirability mm-hmm found within its systems. Um, yeah. I'm also particularly fond of how he thinks about history and ideology together and how ideology in a way is performing that history mm-hmm. and letting history unfold. And this is something I often think about, this question of history and ideology
1: in relation to blackness. Thank you so much. That's really fascinating. And I think like the background and skills that you bring to this project are so useful and illuminating. Um, so thinking about this, te- or Ambedkar's writings, I know that he chose to publish this text in the journal Indian Antiquary. Um, I'm kind of curious about this publication. Like, Can you tell us a little bit about why you think he chose to publish here, and what, like, what did this choice of publication have to do with what he hoped to accomplish with the work?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, because Indian Antiquary is a really interesting journal. Um, it was founded by Dr. Burgess in 1872, and it was later acquired by Sir Richard Temple. And the journal focused on epigraphy, ethnology, and folklore, and it took a leading part in the recording of Indian history. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of Indian scholars progressively dominated the journal, whereby more works were written by Indians and read in English, whereas in, at the beginning of the journal's um, Founding it was mainly like British and European scholars writing about India, um, mm-hmm. and then I would and then Ambedkar, um, he was the youngest scholar published in Indian Antiquary, as well as I believe the only Dalit scholar. Um, mm-hmm. I would think he chose to publish in this journal because of its wide range and influence regarding Indology or the study of India. But also, what's more interesting is that Ambedkar's own intellectual approach to the history and ideology of India is rather different from what else is published in the journal.
1: It's a really fascinating. Thank you for this history. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just wondering, um, what kind of like particular issues did you have in mind as you were approaching castes in India and why? Like, what angle did you choose to enter this text with?
0: So in my reading, I um, approach the text by focusing on the sexual and social relations found in the caste system. And um, mm-hmm. before going into that, I think it would be helpful to mention that Embedkar stages his arguments in the text by a flow of different concepts that are all interrelated. Um, Very much like his title suggests, he focuses on the mechanisms and logic, genesis, and development of caste. And within those three main categories, he weaves in different arguments that all aid in providing his final analysis and argument of caste being forced endogamy through
1: sexual and gendered practices. Thank you. It's really, really interesting to hear a little bit about your reading. Of the text. And I know you've noted that um, there, have, there are places in the text where you see. Um, Bidkar kind of addressing how to explain the distinctiveness of caste through an argument about gender and sexuality. So I'm interested in this um, in this argument here. Can you speak a little bit more about these moments and their relevance to the text as a whole?
0: Uh, yeah, yes, I can. So um, Ambedkar, what Ambedkar does in trying to explain caste is to bridge endology with the new social sciences, for mm-hmm. instance, like that of anthropology. Um, He received his doctorate at Columbia University, and although he was studying economics, he was also a student of Alexander Goldenweiser, who himself was a student of Franz Boas. So it's safe to say that both of those professors influenced his thinking to an extent, and um, caste in India was originally given as an anthropology lecture at Columbia. So mm-hmm. you can see all of these connections being made. Yeah. Um, but yes, in regards to explaining the distinct the, the distinctiveness of caste, Ambedkar highlights that although it was a followed social practice, Indian society was initially exogamous, meaning they married outside of social groups mm-hmm. like other primitive or ancient societies at the time. So in that sense, endogamy, or the practice of marrying within certain social groups or castes, was forcibly laid on top of exogamy, which made caste a social formation and practice of social power that was fundamentally tied to the control of women and their
1: sexuality. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, really interesting. And it's really interesting to locate the beginning of some of these texts um, at Columbia. I, I didn't know that caste in India started as an anthropology lecture at Columbia. And um, in my research as well this summer, uh, I've been looking a lot at a book that grew out of a dissertation that was written at Columbia. So I'm really like um, fascinated by these moments as well. Um, But yeah, thank you for this explication of the text. It's a really such a fine grained reading that you've done. And I guess I'm wondering if it might make sense to actually turn to a few specific places in the text um, so we can get a sense of some of the actual words that you've been working with or view into the really textual work you've done this summer?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, I would say one crucial moment in the text itself was when Embedkar was explaining um, Mm -hmm. exogamy and endogamy. And Mm -hmm. you can find this on page 84 in the um, Cast in India that was published in the Indian Antiquary. And mm-hmm. so on that page, 84, he writes, However, in an originally exogamous population, an easy working out of endogamy, which is equivalent to the creation of caste, is a grave problem. And it is, and it is in, in the consideration of the means utilized for the preservation of endogamy against exogamy that we may hope to find the solution of our problem. Thus, the superposition of endogamy on exogamy means the creation of caste. And here, Mm. this is a really important passage because here Ambedkar questions how a society, once exogamous, can become endogamous. And as such, it is this tension that can provide a possible answer to the problem of caste. To him, this is the problem of caste, what it is and how it works. Mm.
1: Thank you. Really fascinating. I'm so um, really interested to hear the way that you've read this text. Um, so it's this moment, I guess, where Ambedkar is trying to translate caste. Um, so how does this good translation work? Can I ask about this a little further and ask? I think I'm also really interested in Ambedkar's relationship to Indology, which you mentioned before. Um, so isn't this literature of ethics and etiquette or so-called Dharma Shastra literature, there's a lot of discussion about permitted and prescribed sexual relations. Can you talk about that a little more?
0: Yeah, thank you. It's it's really a fascinating question. So um, as a Dalit scholar, Ambedkar was prohibited from reading the Dharmashastra as well as reading Mm -hmm. Sanskrit. Um, for reference in castes he cites Ketkar, who was a Brahmin sociologist trained at Cornell, and as such Ketkar was allowed to ac- was allowed access to the Dharmashastra, among other things due to his caste position. And like Embedkar, Ketkar also investigated the question of caste But unlike him, he was not able to render a certain reading of caste and its history that would be able to see and connect sexual relations as a fundamental reproduction Mm -hmm. of caste as such. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, um, Ketkar's relationship to Indology is completely different to that of Embedkar, who, like I mentioned earlier, is attempting to bring Indology to the new social sciences. And part of this is due to his academic training, but also, maybe more importantly, is the fact that he was not given access to the so-called literature of ethics and etiquette. And in thinking of um, his translation of caste, this is seen by how he clearly outlines that endogamy was forcibly laid upon exogamy, and as such, gendering and sexual reproduction maintained caste.
1: Okay, thank you. That's really, really fascinating, especially what you were saying about um, Ambedkar not having access to certain kinds of texts makes me think about like other connections we've been making this summer. And I was thinking a lot about um, how Du Bois also didn't have access to a lot of the libraries and resources he wanted to use in the writing of Black Reconstruction. So it's really fruitful here, I think. Um, and also thinking about, you know, these, what you're saying about like the realm of the intimate and thinking about like the home and the domicile and the regulation of intimate association is in many ways being like at the heart of the experience of citizenship or what it means to be part of a nation state um, or a state or colonial state. So I know these Issues had already become like really hot button issues for colonial scholar administrators like um, J.S. Mill, who measured civilizational aptitude by the status of women in India. Um, and so does Ambedkar also seem to focus on these, So I guess, like scandalous issues as well.
0: Um, Yeah, but he addresses these as essential to the reproduction of caste, and this is where he does something totally innovative. Um, Mm -hmm. And Bedkar tells us that endogamy was about a particular form of marriage, signaling that caste is a social institution that regulates sociality as well as sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, He draws on this idea of surplus to speak to how caste maintains its hierarchy, how caste as a system reproduces itself. Um, This is especially seen in what is done to the surplus man and woman in a given caste. Um, And how does this idea come about? It comes about because caste operates as patriarchy. That is, it is implied here that men and women do not come into caste equally. Men have power, and in this case, their power is the power to enforce restrictions on women. Restrictions that are focused on female chastity and purity. Um, Once a woman becomes a widow, she poses a significant threat to the caste for the question of control and controllability are brought into its purview. Uh, She can either be offered up through sati or widow immolation, (laughs) along with her deceased husband, or she can be subjected to degraded widowhood. However, um, burning at the funeral pyre, for for example, um, does Mm -hmm. not always work, as Embedkar states, because it's a hard realization and practice to commit to. And as such, widowhood becomes a more practical and viable Mm -hmm. option, for lack of Mm -hmm. a better word, for the surplus woman.
1: Wow, fascinating. Thank you for this reading. Um, I see in your annotation that you are really drawn to the term surplus like what do you make of it why why do you think this um is kind of fruitful for your work
0: yeah so when I was reading cast in India I as you said I really took notice with um Ambedkar's use of the word surplus which I might add he mentions it 22 times Mm -hmm. And um, Embedkar makes a critical move In transforming the idea of surplus value Into surplus persons Um, Mm -hmm. In caste society The figure of the woman Is always tied to her potentiality To be both wife and mother Insofar as she she can sexually reproduce Reproduce and sustain her caste Um, Mm -hmm. This is where her value is derived And as Embedkar writes Once her husband dies She's thrown into this category of surplus For her aforementioned value ceases to exist once her husband passes. Mm. Um, Although Ambedkar does point out a husband can become surplus, he's only surplus in that he is no longer married, and as such, for the sake of the caste, he's not disposed of, but continues to be integrated into the systems of value needed for the preservation of his caste. Uh, This is why the question of caste is one of endogamy, which is to say one of gender and sexuality, mm-hmm.
1: particularly
0: the positionality of women. Mm-hmm. Um, thus, Embedkar's writings on the creation of surplus man and woman and how the question of surplus, which is always tied to the question of gender and sexuality, is also tied to disposability of who or what is rendered disposable.
1: Yeah, really interesting. Thank you again for this um, reading. It's really fascinating. Um hearing you speak about disposability and what populations are made disposable or made waste in a way, I'm brought back to what you said about your background in African and black studies and the thinking that's being done on disposability in those fields. Um, Can you speak a little bit more about how these ideas are connected here in your research on Ambedkar and caste and maybe um, how does disposability have a particular life within the caste system?
0: yeah um thank you for this question so i would say with my um background or study within african and black studies um i see disposability and the idea of of who or what is rendered disposable through um i would say like transatlantic slavery and um the afterlife of slavery as such in relation to specifically i would say like u.s continental blackness as well as um African blackness Mm -hmm. more generally, and what it means Mm -hmm. to be black in the world, and what it means to be um, human. And Mm -hmm. um, with Embedkar, he uses disposability and surplus, like I said, um, in a really interesting way. Um, Here, the surplus woman is rendered disposable, while the surplus man is always already seen as a productive force, Mm -hmm. for he ensures the continuation of a patriarchal lineage, And so caste is essentially also the name of the father. Um, So endogamy is a gendered practice, and the position of wife, mother, woman, girl serves as a means for caste sustenance. Um, And as such, true liberation for women, I think, I believe, um, cannot come from caste, but only in its abolition. And I think reading with Embedkar that he um, follows these same sentiments.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Yo-san. I I wish we could go on. It's been really wonderful to hear about your work this summer. So thank you for coming to speak to me about it. Thank you. (laughs)